So there's a misconception that if you're single, you are incomplete, perhaps damaged, salvaged, and you won't be happy until you find your one. And that is not true. That is bullshit. It is a message that has been fed to us by media and advertising. The truth is, when you're single, you have the richest soil for growth. That's why I created this podcast. And unlike other podcasts, this one is host-driven, not guest-driven. That means I will be rotating health and wellness experts three times a week to give you the giant box of wellness crayons, not just the primary colors, so you can start building a meaningful life. It's time to give singlehood a cape. First of all, I want to um, thank you for being one of our hosts slash contributors slash, I don't know, catalysts. Mm. And um, I know you you got married early. I mean, it's funny. I, I was 28 when I got married, which mm. I think um, to my mother's generation, I remember at the time her feeling like I was in the final stages of the hunt. Right, <laughs> as right. she likes to call it. Um, now it seems so young to me. Now I feel like I was just a baby, you know? Yeah. I got married at 29. Mm. And uh, do you sometimes look back and, and uh, if you think about who you were when you got married, um, just like almost a different person, no? Completely different person. Describe to us who you were when you got married at 28. Oh my gosh. Um, I feel like it was another lifetime. I feel like yeah. I, in my early twenties, I'd been sort of what I think the people in my family would call a little bit of a loose cannon. I partied a lot. I would, you know, just do things on whims. Like I was living in Chicago, working in publicity. So I would like mm. party a lot with the events that we threw. And then I think one weekend I was like on a whim, like I'm moving to New York. And I just sort of like would just do things to like, you know, um, disrupt, <laughs> disrupt life. Um, and you know, when I met my ex-husband, um, he is very different. He is very much the end to my thing. And so it was sort of like, this was me doing something that was responsible because he mm -hmm. was very grounding. He was very, um, you know, something in my life that felt like stability to certainly me, but also my family. And I think, I was that, you know, I was the youngest. I, I think mm -hmm. in a lot of ways, like my family sort of, you know, took care of me a little bit into a, like early adulthood more than maybe was good for me. And so I, I joke a lot of times that it felt like my mom sort of passed the baton to my ex-husband and was like, you take her. Mm -hmm. I'm sort of done um, worrying about her or taking care of her. So it sort of felt like, this is what I'm, I'm meant to do now. I'm meant to like, you know, be taken care of by this person now. You know what I mean? He was your, uh, your handrails, huh? Hmm. And, yeah. And, and so, uh, what was that like? So you got married and then was, uh, well, obviously it was great in the beginning or what was that like, uh, going from single to, to, to being married? You know, it's interesting to think about what was it like in the beginning? Cause I've, I've, I've given that a lot of thought, like, and we've certainly like my ex-husband is one of my best friends and we mm -hmm. sometimes unpack like what was that time, you know, but I remember people used to ask me all the time when I knew that I loved him. And there was this moment when we were living in Brooklyn and we were asleep and this picture like fell off the wall right mm -hmm. over our beds and his 
like from dead sleep, automatic response was like to grab me and make sure I was okay. And like, you know, cover oh, me. And right, he was just right. like very protective. And so I think that was always the story that I used to describe why I loved him because I mm -hmm. felt very safe. But you know, what I've realized in retrospect is that doesn't really have anything to do with him and who he is. Right. It was very much um, to me, sort of an illustration of what our relationship was like a lot of times that he very much took care of me. There was a lot of codependency in retrospect mm -hmm. in our relationship. Mm -hmm. um, he was sort of the parentified child in his childhood. So he knew how to like really pick up that role. And like, I take care of things. That's what I do. But I don't know that um, I oh, saw I, him. I see what you're saying. So you're saying that him taking care of you by, uh, which is obviously very romantic, him in the middle of sleep waking <laughs> up and, and, and putting his body uh, over yours to protect you. Yes. Um, you saw that as love when you were younger, of course, but now it could have been more of that's just the way he is. That's his, that's his knee jerk. That's his wiring. He's a, he, he takes care of people and that's what he does. Um, so, but, but I also don't want to discredit that, um, that, that, uh, that, that gesture, cause I think it's sweet. Yeah. I mean, there's complexity to what love is, you know, and yeah, I think that yeah. there are a lot of ways that, and this is something actually you've helped me with, John, like mm. not dismissing what our love was because of the ways that I think sometimes we are meant to evolve and change. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't mean that because we've evolved and maybe what we want in relationships as we get older is different. That means that that wasn't real love, right? Um, and I think we live in a society where we sort of think successful love is love that lasts a lifetime, right? Like you, right. you go to weddings right. sometimes and it'll be like, the people who've been married the longest stay on the dance floor and then they clap for the people that have been married for 40 years. And it's like, but yeah. we don't know, like, are those 40 happy years? Have yeah. they been growing? Have they been enriching right. for each of them? Right. And, you know, I think something you said to me a couple of weeks ago that really um, just like shifted things for me and really hit me was like, there's so much about my love um, with my ex that has just been a really beautiful love story that continues. Yeah. And it's yeah. just changed form. Like we still have a really beautiful friendship and the love is still there. It's just a different kind of love. Hey, by the way, uh, are you sure that the, he didn't think in his sleep it was an earthquake? He was trying to get over you to get out of the house. <laughs> he, was, he was rolling over you and you're like, oh, this is so sweet. He's protecting me. And uh, no, he's trying to get the fuck out of the house. Like very what possible. my dad used to do. And yeah, because in LA, earthquakes happens all the time. My dad's out of the house. Anyway, um. <laughs> I want to plant uh, maybe a little foreshadowing in that um, if uh, the stars line up, uh, possibly you and him will do an episode together, which I think mm -hmm. is uh, is amazing. Yeah, yeah, one of the things that uh, I told you and I applaud, uh, and I don't know when I had that revelation, maybe was it in, oh, it was um, in Idlewild when we mm -hmm. were hanging out with our friends, uh, that maybe your guys's collision and the uh the beauty of it um and of course you guys had great moments as as well in your marriage but um was the breakup meaning uh mm. how everyone else sees divorce as you know this um disaster and 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 most people i know who are divorced you know they don't talk to their partner unless they are you know raising a child they have to and, you know, they're talking shit about each other and it, 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 it's rarely where you put the person on high and they become friends and uh, you guys actually uh, probably have a better relationship now than you did. Like, that's really rare. 
Yeah. Absolutely. So redefining what divorce can look like. Yeah. We talk about that a lot, that that is what we're doing is sort of, um, you know, creating a different paradigm, hopefully for our child, that he will have the experience. He was two when we broke up. So all he's ever known really is mom and dad are, you know, each other's best friends. Right. Like that's, that's all he's known. Um, so let me ask you this, the people um, who are listening, who are going through a divorce or are divorced, how did you guys intentionally do it this way? Yeah. Meaning, you know, well, yeah, what was the process like for you? I mean, it, it, it's not just because you guys are raising a, a son together, or is it? Yeah. I mean, I will say a couple things. First of all, I do, and I do hold with so much reverence, um, my kid's dad. He is an amazing person. He mm. is just a very, like, I, I have so much respect for who he is as a man and a father. And I think that's a huge part of it is that he has really been committed to showing his son that he loves his mother very mm -hmm. much and that he's Wait, what, one one thing i just want to highlight uh by the way i'm known to interrupt people i'm sorry <laughs> I um, but 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 if i don't i forget that's why it's not me trying to be rude <laughs> uh respect okay yeah. so uh it just lit up for me so the, you said one thing is is that has to be there if you don't respect your um ex you know, uh, so that's part of the ingredient is, is, is respect. So go on. Yeah. So definitely that I respect him so much. And I think he has done so much to make it easier for me, but also, you know, and this is something we've talked about in the past. Um, one of my favorite spiritual teachers is Wayne Dyer. And I think mm -hmm. that some, one of his teachings that I always come back to is that, you know, in every moment we are choosing between love and fear, those are the only two options. And so, when I remember mm -hmm. the the night that um, I'll just Mikey because <laughs> I mean most um, when Mikey and I decided that our marriage was going to end, I remember that I crawled in Cairo's crib that night um, because it just was a very like there's a nervous system thing that happens when you realize after being married and we were married yeah. for eleven and a half years, um, it felt like a shock to my nervous system, almost like you know like um, like my Wait, body did you guys talk down. about it often or was it just like that one night um, was the first time. And then you guys both decided that you're going to divorce. No, we definitely didn't talk about it often. It was um, definitely like our trajectory was in a place where it was like, yeah, this is right. We were both in agreement, but the right. realization of it, I don't think hit until I was about to go get in, you know, there's this thing of like, I feel like I hear divorced people talk about like the moment that you like sleep in bed alone for the first time, or the moment right. you look in your closet and your ex's clothes are all gone, right? Yeah, like it really yeah. just sort of hits you. And I remember I was about to go climb in bed and I I couldn't. And so I went in my little boy's room and I climbed in his crib at the time. I'm getting oh. like emotional as I talk about it. Um, and it's like, it really felt like the universe spoke to me and said, Danae, this is love or fear time, right? Like you have two mm. options, mm -hmm. love or fear. And I decided that I was going to be committed to love being my North Star. And when I felt like um, I was out of alignment with love, I needed to figure out how to bring myself back. And that's just been, you know, the practice over and over when I feel myself irritated or activated or shortchanged mm -hmm. or entitled mm -hmm. to something, it's like, is this fear or is this love? And if it's fear, what would love say about this situation and how do I bring it back to love? And mm -hmm. again, I think that when we're committed to trying to hold things that way, the universe throws us a bone and makes it easier. Um, Mikey had a girlfriend, he, he's been in a long-term relationship and she was someone who from the beginning, 
was like an angel in my life. She made it so easy for me. She like came over the first time she met me with like this huge bouquet of flowers and was just like, I just want you to know, like you um, wanting to meet me and inviting me into your son's life means everything to me. And we like started crying and hugged each other. And it was just like the universe threw me a bone and like made it easy for me to mm -hmm. love her and to be um, close with her. But I think that is because I was committed to like, I'm, I'm not going to let my ego lead here. I'm going to try to lead with love. See, that's another uh, piece of this that's kind of rare is you connecting, befriending um, the person, like the first person he started to, to really date and get in a relationship with. Mm -hmm. Right. Most people um, <laughs> shut that person out. They don't want to know. They don't want to see. They don't. So um, you guys were friendly with each other uh, which, again. And, and that's because uh, you chose love over fear, you're saying. Yeah, because if I had if I looked at it through the lens of fear, it would have been easy to catch up. Like she's younger, like she's literal supermodel. <laughs> like she's the most beautiful <laughs> yeah. woman. Like every part of like my ego could have conceivably sure. dropped into fear about why I wasn't enough, about why my child might like this right, young, cool right. girl better, all of these things. But um you know, that's what fear would say, but love would say, this is a person who is making someone you care about really happy. This is more love in your child's life. Why would that be a bad thing? If you choose to see it as not a bad thing, it just makes your life so much easier than if yeah. you choose to be in fear about it, you know? That's a really big deal. It's rare. Um, and, and I wonder, you know, uh, people listening to this, if, if they're like, how, how does one um, get a divorce, um, still respect and have a, a healthy relationship with uh, their now ex, and then welcome their ex's new love with open arms. Uh, it's it's such a uh, it's it's such a uh, to me demonstration of um, where you're at, what's important to you, and you know your your capacity to love. You know the size the size of your heart yeah I'm trying to make hey, me cry john <laughs> what, why you. um question what gravitated you toward wayne dyer oh that's an interesting question i think i saw him on an oprah soul series interview oh, okay. and you know just so much of what he was saying felt like truths that were resonating i remember i heard him say the mantra of the lower self says um i need more the mantra of the higher self says, how do I serve? And you know how sometimes mm. you hear something mm -hmm. and you know it's going to be really important in your life yeah. to remember that? Yeah. And I always come back to that. And it just, with everything, I think I, I use that with couples a lot when I'm working with them, right? Like we can really focus in on where we need more and what we're not getting, but the energetic between us really shifts when we shift into the space of service and how I can show up for you and... Um, I think that's been a lot of times what I focus on in my relationship with Mikey. He does a lot to help me and make my life easier. And when I think like, how can I be in service of him and mm -hmm. offering back some of what he's given to me? Um, it just makes our dynamic and the energy between us so much better and so much easier, you know? What you just said, uh, that mantra, it reminds me of my relationship with sex. It's, uh, <laughs> how can I get, it's either, how can I get more or, or how can I serve? And it's how usually, can you serve John? <laughs> I know. And it's, it's usually the, how can I get more or I need more? That's usually the one that wins. But, uh, yeah, the reason I ask you that is about the Wayne Dyer is because I don't know a lot of people who, 
reference him. I, I mean, I know he's really mm-hmm. popular and stuff, but just in my circle. Um, but he was also someone that uh, when I was going through my divorce, for some reason, uh, you know, out of all the people from 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 Tony Robbins to whoever, um, he's the one that I gravitated toward the most. I almost um, felt like he was the dad I never had. I, mm-hmm. I love that he showed up because um, he made jokes, you know, he was casual. He wasn't, he didn't come because, you know, he does all these speeches and stuff. He just kind of spoke from a place of um, guy, like Mr. Rogers almost, like next door. <laughs> you know, he, he didn't put himself on a pedestal. Um, yeah. And so I really gravitated toward him. I, I learned a lot about showing up in that way as um you know doing this work you know he he was he kind of felt like the everyman yeah it's interesting you say that because there are a lot of elements about the way that you speak to things that actually remind me of him and like i just feel like you're both storytellers you both speak in metaphors a lot of Mm. times to make things like something you can wrap your head around i know that you know we've talked about this with you that you don't necessarily think of yourself as like spiritual Mm -hmm. and like leading with that in terms of the way that you speak to things. But I always have felt that about you. And so I think there's a lot of ways that you just speak to things through the lens of like the soul in a way that Wayne Mm. Dyer did. Um, That it just sort of like, it doesn't surprise me that his work really resonated with you. Mm. Yeah. I don't, I don't see myself that way. Um, But it's, it's hard for us to see ourselves other than, the way that we see ourselves, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and then, yeah. And then, and then, of course, we both have um, really b- bad jokes. He wasn't, he wasn't that funny, but he was cute. Your jokes are really funny. I don't though. know. Anyway, so <laughs> uh, you are now single. Mm-hmm. What I has am. that been like so far? So wait, you're, you're now single. When were you single before? I mean, so um, minus like high school, <laughs> like in your like adult life. Um, mm-hmm. cause you got married at 28. How, how, how long did you date Mikey before you got married or was it fast? We dated, I mean, God, I'm, so I moved to New York at 25. I think we wow. like met like shortly after I'm like, I wasn't there that long before we met. And so I mm-hmm. think we were together like two years or something before we got married. So, uh, from, I don't know, 18 to 25. Were you single or were you just kind of dating on and off? Not really. I mean, I think I had like a four-year relationship in there. I certainly like had a lot of like, like boyfriends that would be like six months or a year type thing. Um, So then is it- Not a lot of single. (laughs) Is it correct to say that uh, this is the first time you've been single in your life? I mean, for a long trajectory, like like I've been single for three years now, which is- so, I mean, it's fascinating. It's just been the most beautiful, expansive time um, for me. And I think that we very much have a societal idea that we are like single in the in-between until the next thing, right? Like we're single, but we're like, it's sort of like this interim period, I think mm-hmm. is what I'm looking for. Um, whereas I, I tend to hold it a little differently and I'm obsessed with this idea of we should be single, should, um, but what if we were single until we found a relationship, a connection that made it justified to give up our singlehood status? Mm. Meaning 
I've called it kind of fallen in love with being single. Like there's so much about yeah. um, the ways that I've had the opportunity to get to know myself that, you know, to the point you were just making, I didn't have for so much of my life. Cause I always had what I think was the distraction of a relationship a lot of times. And there were a lot of ways that I, and I see a lot of people certainly, um, we can hide out in relationships from doing some of our like deeper work and like allowing ourselves to be really uncomfortable. Sure. Um, and because I've, I've had to do that for the last three years, I've really grown in a lot of ways that now when someone comes into my world and I believe that I do want to like share my life with someone and have mm -hmm. a partner, but it's going to be when it's justified, not because I am in any way um, incomplete here by myself. Yeah. And that's a direct relation uh, to your relationship with yourself, right? That the mm -hmm. measure, uh, because if you uh, were disconnected with yourself and you're numbing and running and um, uncomfortable with being alone, then you would have already justified many times. You know what I'm saying? Like, um, yeah, I don't, I don't know if you, you would, I mean, you would negotiate a lot more. Yeah, right. absolutely. I think, um, you know, I, it's funny that I have ended up, and especially in my singlehood, for whatever reason, working with couples has sort of been my thing. I, you know, I find that therapists either love working with couples or they don't like it at all. I love it. And um, I've learned so much about how to work with couples through the lens of singlehood, meaning a lot of times I think that there are ways that we don't challenge some of what the societal ideas of what our partnerships should be and should look like are mm -hmm. until it's not true. Like I was married for 11 and a half years. So I certainly very much have the felt experience of what it like feels like to be in a partnership. And there are some things that I believed to be true about like what I needed, the way that I needed to show up and my partner needed to show up that were pretty arguable. And mm -hmm. some of the things that um, I've learned to do in like my own self-soothing work and my you know, I'm still very much in a relationship with Mikey. We have a child together, but there's right. a level of respect and like a lack of entitlement between us that wasn't there when we were married, if that makes sense. Why do you think that is? Why, why is that there now and it wasn't before? You know, it's so funny. I had, I remember one day and this is, you know, I tell couples this sometimes we had like, I don't remember what we were like in conflict about, but I was like mad at him about something. And like, I was like this, right. And I like, I went back in the house and he like, didn't care. He like, did not care that I was mad at him. And mm -hmm. it was like this realization where when we were married, he would have had to care or I would mm, have been able to control right. him or I would have punished him, but he didn't have to care. And all of a sudden it like hit me like a ton of bricks, like, oh, I'm not actually entitled to anything from him anymore, um, except him caring for our child together. That's his job. Like everything he does for me is gravy. It's like, he doesn't have to. Um, but that was always the case. I just didn't think it was the case when we were married. I felt entitled to him doing things when I wasn't always, um, you know, respectful of his feelings mm -hmm. or um, like, you know, I think there's, I mean, this is such a big conversation, but I think yeah. there's a lot of ways that we are raised to not really see one another in partnerships. And I didn't have to really see him and care about how he felt because he was mine. He was my husband. He belonged to me. So like right. fall in line or, you know, and that's not the case all of a sudden when he wasn't my partner, but that's not really loving him well for it to be the case when we are married. You know what I mean? 
Yeah, I was just thinking, um, wow, how many relationships would be different, including my own, if you took uh, in, entitlement, uh, if you took shoulds, if you took possession, the promise yes. all out, out, out of it. And uh, I mean, I mean, it's interesting because if we look at your relationship with Mike as an experiment, as data, um, it's better now than before because those things are out of it. There is no promise. Entitlement's gone. You know, I mean, respect is there. I mean, that, that you know, oh, maybe it wasn't there. <laughs> maybe the respect wasn't there when you were married. I don't know. But, um, but now <laughs> respect is big, right? And you see him as someone who is a, um, yeah, an amazing father. And so you do have respect for him. Um, mm -hmm. So, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, I think people ask me sometimes, like, what is like, the number one thing that's like the killer of relationships, I think it's entitlement, I think mm -hmm. we come from a really ownership based paradigm of partnerships, yep. like, yep. once someone is my partner, they're mine, it's, you know, back from days when like, people were property, and like, you, you married someone, and she became yours, and, and vice yeah. versa. But I think, if we sort of say like nothing is promised because it really isn't at any time mm -hmm. someone mm -hmm. could decide to get a divorce or leave the relationship it's just sort of a illusion we're holding that this person belongs to us but if we said like every day i have with this person is a gift and i'm not entitled to tomorrow i just feel like we we interact a lot differently than we would with that sense of entitlement so one of the things that i've taken from you and i keep in my back pocket and i think i've said this to you before is exactly what you're talking about uh, that nothing is promised. I think it's it's such a great mm -hmm. reminder. And I know you um, formed that from um, the loss of a dear friend, correct? Yeah, I think a big part of why my marriage ending with Mikey was something I was able to be an acceptance of and not resistance was, you know, Vanessa and I went to grad school with a friend that mm -hmm. I, I truly believe was like one of the loves of my life. He mm -hmm. was... Um, an angel in human form. He taught me so much about yeah, presence yeah. and generosity and just like the type of person I want to be. And then all of a sudden, um, at 45 years old, his life was over. Um, stage four lung cancer had never smoked a day in his life. And I remember being in his hospital room and thinking, there is no reason that I'm entitled to keep living and he's not. And so all of this is mm -hmm. like not promised. It's a gift. I'm not like deserving of anything, everything I have. I'm so blessed to have. And I remember when my marriage ended being like, well, he's still here. And so I have an opportunity to maybe love him better than I did when we were married. And he's not gone. So it's okay. And it just, I think the fact that I lost Darren so close to my marriage ending really mm -hmm. impacted um my level of resistance to the ending. It was just, I was in a lot more acceptance because it's like, this, these are the things of life. None of this is promised to any of us, you know? It became primer for you. Like it came, became mm. a foundation. It shifted you in a way. Um, it was easier for you to swing that way because um, losing a friend. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah, weird. Nothing um, gives us rack focus and what's important more than uh, life or death. So giving mm. you know, having a child or when someone dies, uh, it puts things into perspective very fast. 
Yeah. I think if we hold death in a present way, we live differently. And I think losing someone that I loved that much changed me forever. Um, I, I, I think it is, I mean, I know it is, it's absolutely possible to have something you experience change you in a really profound way. And I don't take my life for granted. I don't feel promised. You know, I remember I didn't have a kid for a really long time. Um, in a lot of ways, because I think I was like scared of the vulnerability of it because you mm-hmm. have a kid and it's like, whoo, your heart is just like walking around outside yeah. of your body. But I, I think I love my child differently knowing that like, I'm not promised tomorrow with that, that little angel being like, he's, mm. he's here today. So let me love him. Like today's my last day, you know? Where in your relationship did you feel the most entitled? Where in your relationship did you struggled with entitlement in, in, in what part of the relationship? Um, <laughs> that's tough. You know, I think, um, and this isn't, this isn't me like bagging on the women in my family at all, because I think this is so much of what is, I've come to understand very much of how we are conditioned, but like, I think we are a society where men are conditioned to not feel their feelings and women are really conditioned to not care that men aren't feeling their feelings and that men are Mm. like, you know, and, and I think that can go both ways, but I think we're just so, um, really thinking about our own pain and our own hurts that we just really never are curious about what it's like for them. And I think, um, bell hooks book where she writes about like men, it's called the will to change really impacted me where she was talking about how much patriarchy hurts men too, because it doesn't mm-hmm. allow men to feel their feelings and like be open about their hurts. And I think having a little boy and thinking about that, really made me think about how much I didn't care about how Mikey felt a lot of the time. I just felt like Mm. fall in line. That's your job, you know? Um, and he, he was like this whole beautiful person who pledged his life to loving me and like really worked really hard for a long time to try to love me well. But I, I say a lot of times and, and we've had conversations about this since, like I wasn't equipped to love a man the way that now I feel like I will, but that wasn't something that was modeled. That wasn't something that I really had an idea of what that is or what that looks like. Um, so I forgive myself, but I don't think, I think I felt entitled to his love. I don't think I, I think I took for granted, um, you know, how kind he was, how, Mm -hmm. how much he, he showed up for me and what he did for me. And I think that I see that a lot in in the couples that I work with. And, and again, that's, that's both ways, but I think that sometimes, and I say this to my, my sisters and the women out there with so much respect, I think a lot of times we have just, it's almost like a, a princess mentality that we're sort of mm-hmm. raised with that, like, mm-hmm. you know, that whole happy wife, happy life. Like it's a man's job yeah. to like fall in line and it's just not true. And it's just not loving one another. Well, you know. You know, I I hate that term. Um, I heard it some because because a lot of men say that you know uh, on golf courses, mm. right? Uh, <laughs> happy wife, happy life. I don't like it because it can be an excuse to not do any work. It's like mm. um, as long as she's happy, I'm good. And um, it's I think it's dismissive. Yeah, it dismissive. Yeah. 
of both people, right? Like it's, what do you want though? It's, it's funny. And I know you probably know this from sitting with couples, but so often I will ask a man questions in couples therapy that Mm -hmm. I can tell for sure he's never thought about, or nobody's ever asked him. And it's just like, what? Like, um, about how he feels, you know? Mm -hmm. And sometimes the woman will be like, why did I bring him? Because it's like the floodgates are open. Um, because all of a sudden he is thinking about, but like, but how does this feel for me? What, what do I want out of our dynamic? And I think collectively we are shifting into a space where there's just, um, a lot more of that, like both people really doing their own work so that we can meet one another more as equals and more as, um, more, attempting to become more self-actualized and using yeah. our relationship as a vehicle for that versus, you know, once we're married, we're done and we just get to settle in because it's a, it's a wrap for the rest of our lives. I, I don't think that's really the point of relationships to me. Do you find that the more you evolve, grow, um, become spiritual, all these things that are happening, do you think it's harder to find a partner because um, what you're looking for is now more specific Hmm. Well, here's where I'm going to get a little woo-woo on you, John. Does does the ocean turn into a little plastic swimming pool? (laughs) Your crazy uncle buys you. (laughs) You know, I believe that when I'm ready, the universe will bring me the partner Mm. that I'm meant to walk my path with. It's just my experience of this life and what I believe. And so I don't think so much about like finding that person. I think about making myself the woman who is equipped to love the man that I want to love well. And, um, you know, someone that I'm like proud to be regardless. And I, I believe the universe, he's, he's going to come to me when it's my time. But, Mm. um, yeah, I think that, that, that's a conversation I have with a lot of single people. And I feel like it can feel really defeating when we feel like this is something I am meant to figure out. And, you know, these dating apps are just, I don't know if you've (laughs) been on them, but, um, I, I understand why it feels that way because it just yeah. feels like tough when it, when logic is supposed to be how I figure it out. But I, I like to say, like, I don't think it's love is logic. I think we're supposed to this is one of the areas we're supposed to give it up to something bigger than ourselves. Mm. What's the hardest thing about being single? Hmm. Spiders. Kill, no, there's spiders Killing in spiders. there. <laughs> Not having anyone to kill spiders. I, I think that's a that's a fair remark. Yeah, um, alone in that. No, that's not true though. I think it's to be fully honest, it's intimacy, like physical intimacy. Yeah. Like I think, yeah. um, and what's funny is like, touch. yeah, like yeah. I didn't crave it when I was married, but um, <laughs> I think it's like once you can't have that that thing, all of a sudden it's yeah. I think that's probably the hardest part is like longing to have have that sometimes. What kind of intimacy you're talking about um, doing nothing with someone and what it feels like to have that person next to you. Uh, You're talking about sex. You're talking about uh, loving someone or I guess all of the above, right? I mean, I was mostly thinking about sex, John, but um, I (laughs) I think, yeah, no, I do think it's like the person because I have that in a lot of areas, you know, like Mm. something great happens. I, I text you and Vanessa, like, you know, like I have a lot of like love in my life. And I think that that's something that's important for us to know about not only singlehood, but our relationships in general. I think we've put way too much on the um, nuclear family structure and that like my person should be my everything. And I think that it just puts so much pressure on the relationship where 
if I have a, if, and when I have a person, I already have a whole village of people who've been supporting me through these mm -hmm. last three years. And I think mm -hmm. if I didn't have my people, this would be more challenging than it would, but I have a lot of people, um, who really support me and root for me and are there for me to share all of my things with my little moments, but definitely like I like snuggles and you know, yeah, that, that part's kind of challenging sometimes. Um, after my divorce, I was single for, I think four years. I went through a long stretch of, of singlehood and mm -hmm. um, yeah, I mean, I, I think this is common for, for most people. Um, not just sex, but intimacy, um, you know, the, the a craving, uh, skin hunger, uh, all of that, right. Companionship, um, you know, mm -hmm. that, that, and then I think for many people, uh, they struggle with the ticking clock. They struggle with, okay, when is this person going to come? How old am I going to be? Uh, and then that's lined with, um, discouragement, hopelessness and all of that stuff. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like I don't feel as much of that because yeah. I was married for so long, maybe that this felt a little like I was like liberated <laughs> when mm -hmm. I finally got divorced. But I remember Mark Grove said something that I love so much. Um, he was talking about how when he was single, he would watch other couples and like them cuddling or like doing things mm -hmm. that he longed to experience for himself. And he said to himself, I can't wait. I can't wait till it's my turn. Mm -hmm. And I just yeah. loved that as a reframe versus like, Oh, I don't have that, you know, but right. like, I've right. sort of, I've started saying to myself, like, Ooh, I can't wait until my person is here for me to cuddle up with. And it just, it feels different. It feels exciting. You know? Yeah. I was saying when I'm single, um, who do I want to be when I meet that person? Mm. You know? And so I got busy because um, the ticking clock for me wasn't that I was getting older. The ticking clock for me was there's someone coming. I don't know when. So I better start, you know, working on myself now, whether that is going to the gym or studying or whatever it was, right? Um, doing my thing, building whatever I'm building, uh, because I want to be at a place where I could give the most when I meet that person. That's beautiful. What do you think about, and this is a big topic, so we'll just um, kind of like... Um, touch upon it but what do you think about open relationships oh. <laughs> um for myself <laughs> for, okay, um, so so generally speaking and then of course for yourself would that work yeah i think that we have to as a society really get more in the space of curiosity around all mm -hmm. of the things that we've been offered that we're holding as gospel, that like, this is a baseline of truth. Right. Um, and what else could be true and why is this true? And is it based mm -hmm. in fear or love? Now I, for me personally, I feel like there's only so many hours in the day and like, I don't know, like I look at couples and <laughs> I'm like, that just feels like a whole lot of drama. <laughs> like, you know, um, you have energy for one partner and a toy. And <laughs> yeah, but I, but you know, you say that joking, but I, I'm really introverted. And so I, I do get right. overwhelmed a lot of times by like the obligations of like someone needing, you know, or not needing, but like wanting time and energy. And so I feel like that would feel overwhelming to me to try to disperse that amongst more than one person. But I think that different people are different. And I think yeah. that sometimes, um, I do think sometimes though, and this might be a little controversial, I think that sometimes the release valve of the tension that comes up in relationships, right? Like there are moments of discomfort that if there's someone else I just go to, 
I think sometimes we we have a release valve that we wouldn't have if I have to stay in the discomfort and work it out with this person. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like um, if I can just go to this person over here because it makes me feel good in this specific way, I might not stay in the discomfort of that work. But again, and I've never you know, um, been in a polyamorous relationship. So I can't really speak to that. It's just, I think some of the clients that I've had that are navigating some of those dynamics, it feels like sometimes we can hit the hills and go like hide out in another dynamic sometimes versus staying in the tension mm -hmm. of, um, the discomfort that inevitably comes up when we're in partnerships, you know? Yeah. It's definitely a current and a uh, very hot, um, topic and conversation these days. Yeah. Let me ask you this, um, for all singles listening. Mm -hmm. Um, and I know you're single as well. You're still going through your journey. Um, but what have you learned in the last three years that you can share that may help them? I mean, you already have as in the, the reframe of singlehood. I, I love what you said. Um, what are some things that they can do if they're listening and feeling discouraged, lonely, when am I going to find the one, all that stuff? Mm -hmm. I think that you are never alone because you are always with the part of you that has yourself. <clears throat> and that, mm. <clears throat> sorry, that is what these last three years have really taught me is to trust myself, mm -hmm. to trust that I have my own back. That thing we were talking about, <clears throat> I'm sorry, um, <clears throat> about when I was young and I sort of felt like my mom handed the baton to my ex and said, mm -hmm. you take her. Um, I know for sure I've got me now. Like that mm -hmm. is what these last three years have taught me. Like I can take care of myself. I have taken care of myself. I think a lot of my relationship, um, you know, there were times when we sort of were close to letting go and breaking up in the past and we did it. And I think a lot of the times that I held on were because I was afraid of being alone and I was afraid of taking care of myself. And I think that when we face the thing that we're most afraid of, what it teaches us is that we can face that thing. It teaches us about our resilience and what we're capable of. And I think in my next relationship, I will be a very different version of me because I know myself on a different level because I've had to be in a real intimate um, connection with myself. So, mm. you know, I think if you are single, how do I look at it as an invitation to really be in the sacred space of solitude and um, in relationship with myself for right now, knowing that you may not always have this opportunity. So how do I look at it as an opportunity to be with me? Yeah, I love that. So um, focus on having your own back, not on mm -hmm. who's going to have your front, on uh, who's going to have your, you're going to have your own back. <laughs> so you're going into it as... <laughs> as your as a, a kind of a whole being also you know what it helped me a lot when i was single um i used to say to myself uh who's going with I, okay i used to say to myself where am i going and then who's going with me and then mm. if i reverse the order i'll be going alone because most of my life i was looking for who's going with me and then where am i going and uh, then you put all the, the chips on finding someone or the relationship. Um, and then when I, uh, uh, when I got a divorce, um, I decided to flip it. Where am I going? You know, meaning what do I want to build? Who do I want to be? What, what's, what do I want to leave behind? Where am I going? And then who wants, who's going with me, you know? And uh, that really changed my behavior, mindset, all that, priorities. 
I love that so much. I heard Marianne Williamson say something that I feel like was kind of similar in that she was saying she believes the purpose of relationships is coming together as souls with the shared soul mission. And it doesn't mm -hmm. necessarily mean like, you know, we're, we have the same career path, but it's mm -hmm. like an idea of like the trajectory of what I want out of this life that I've been mm -hmm. given. Um, and, and that our, our perspectives are similar in terms of like where we're going and what we want, but you have to kind of know what that is for yourself. And it's not like we have to have a completely, you know, defined definition of that before we meet someone. But I think if there isn't a shared vision that we're moving in the same trajectory of like what we want out of this time, then yeah. I think it, it becomes challenging. Yeah. All right. We're going to end with this and um, I'm actually making this up as we go. I'm going to say um, it's, it's the, uh, it's the, um, it's, it's the hot seat. It's five quick questions. I don't even know what the questions are. I just trust myself that uh, I'm going to give you something and then you answer very fast. I love what it. turns you on? Oh God. Um, curiosity. Oh, what turns you off? Mm, judgment. Mm. What are you excited about? Mm, my life. Specifically. <laughs> <laughs> that's, um, that's number four, um, specifically. I'm, what am I excited about? I feel like it, just how much better it gets every year. I feel mm. like as I've come into my forties, I'm like, God, this just keeps getting better. What yeah. next? What else? I heard someone say the end of the other day, say to the universe, like, show me how good it can get. And I love that. Like, that's so my people, new thing. People who are listening and rolling your eyes and you think Danae's full of shit. <laughs> I'm telling you <laughs> that she's real. This isn't full of shit. I've, I, I've witnessed her character arc and uh, she just sold the book. She's thriving. She's out going running retreats. She's busy. So this isn't her in her sweats, eating her feelings, but coming on here, <laughs> talking a lot of shit like she loves her life, right? She really does love her life. I feel I feel it, right? So if you're rolling our, her, uh, your eyes at home, th this is truth. And the final I question- I do wear sweats, but I do love my life. <laughs> the, final, I know, the final question is, um, what's one thing you know about yourself that you didn't just a few years ago? Oh, um, that I am wise. Um, mm. I didn't know that about myself, but I believe yeah. in my wisdom now. And I, I, I trust myself so much more than I did three years ago. And that makes me feel really good to just, um, trust in my own wisdom, my own inner authority. Thank you for sharing your wisdom, not hoarding it. Mm. And, uh, Danae, <laughs> you're, you're such a beautiful soul. Thank you for all the work that you do. And, uh, this podcast is different than others. As far as the format goes, um, at the end, um, the host and, and, and I see the host is you today, not me, um, mm. gets to, gets to share some, something that they're doing, they're excited about, um, whether it is, uh, you know, what social they're on or, or uh, anything they want to, they want to promote. So what would that be for you? Oh my gosh. Um, just one thing. Well, I, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm writing a book that yes. is all about masculine and feminine dynamics. And it's sort of become the obsession of my life, the love of my life to just like really work to understand um, how we heal our relationships. And this has become a huge part of it. So yeah, I mean, it's, it's called Liberated Love, um, mm. a guide to healing relationships by reclaiming the masculine and feminine within. Look out for Liberated Love. It should be out in about, uh, probably in about a year or so. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, and I just, if I may, John, thank you. I'm so grateful for your friendship and everything that you've been mm. in my life. I'm getting emotional again, but there are so many ways that long before I knew you, um, you gave me just like a lighthouse for what is possible when we are willing to bet on ourselves. And oh, that's been so a much. huge part of me having my own back is having someone like you in my world. So thank yeah, you. Yeah, you're a dear you friend are. to me. Thank you so much for being a part of my life as well. All right. Thank you for listening, everyone. Be well. I hope that episode was helpful. Hey, listen, if you want to share your singlehood journey, if you've gone somewhere, come back. If you have revelations and wisdom, please share your story. It's going to help other people. Nothing makes us feel more connected than hearing other people's stories. So just send me the audio of your story and you could just record it directly from your phone and email it to theangrytherapist at gmail.com. Also, if you want our Single on Purpose newsletter, go to singleonpurpose.life. That's singleonpurpose.life. You will get tools and articles and other people's stories and also uh, Zoom links to private gathers. So if you want to join our community, go to singleonpurpose.life. Thank you for listening. Be well. We hope you tell a friend. Hello, this is Jennifer. I'm 30 years old. I live in Los Angeles, California. I was born and raised here. I am first generation Latina to hold a master's degree in psychology. I've been single for a long time. And a little bit about that is because um, it's been really tough, you know, trying to get the label um and I also didn't want to settle for less. And I I also see, you know, the men that had came, had came to my life, um, they were broken. And I just feel like they never just, they never gave me the label. And um, I also didn't know how to date these men, these individuals, um, just because um through my process as my early you know in my 20s and even as a teenager I would always kind of run away from um even when I liked the boy or I would always be like oh my I would tell my friends and be like hey you know I like this guy but I would be I would get really really shy about that but um I've been single for a very long time and now I'm kind of like, you know, I'm 30. I need to step out of my shell and just like see what's out there. But I, I'm i now currently dating and I'm, I'm on the dating apps. And this year I took a chance on getting out of my comfort zone and going on dates. And I feel like I'm on a phase two in my dating life right now just because I feel like dating in my phase one was kind of like the introduction and it was really tiring I feel like emotionally tiring is what I mean um they uh, it's like a lot of like getting to know you a lot of first time dates but I think I didn't make it to the second dates just because I feel like these, I, I feel like it wasn't even me. I, at, at some point I felt like it was me, but it wasn't, um, I, you know, looking back at it, I, I felt like I was dating 
the I was attracting men from my past again just because I feel like now you know I I I took that time off to actually like you know what this is what I need to work on like what is my plan here like what is my plan for myself like so that I can get a better outcome because um like I was telling you in the past, I feel like I was dealing with a lot of situationships. I feel like I had two situationships. Um, <clears throat> um, I've never brought anybody home. None of my parents don't know, you know, somebody that's, oh, here's my boyfriend. Like, no, just because I feel like when I do bring someone home is because this is serious. And this is something that, you know, like you know it's 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 an it's he's mature and i i'm immature i'm mature and i was about to say mature so yeah um i, I don't know i just felt like i i was never that individual that the family can talk about like oh look at her like she's dating this guy now like oh she's dating that one or i don't know i just felt like i just wanted to be different i didn't want to be like like um like the traditional of of you know what we see on TVs and or what we see our elder cousins going through so um anyhow uh yeah so i was dealing also another thing that i was i felt like my other situationships is that um, in the beginning stages, I just felt like it was really hard for me to be even vulnerable, um, even to exp to put my feelings into words. And when I did that, um, <clears throat> I had a lot of insecurity as well. And I just feel like these men had insecurities and I just felt like I was being emotionally used by them um, just because they still didn't, you know, they, they don't know what they want still and they want you, but they, they're just like straining you along. And then you, you, you know, it took me a while to figure out these things just because I was just so goal oriented. You know, I was finishing school. That's one of my priorities things, but I still wanted a chance of love, you know, and I've never been in love because I've never been vulnerable. And, um, you know, I had to do a genogram and then in the genogram, you know, I started seeing all of these relationship patterns that my extended family and one thing that caught my attention was that, you know, my mom would be like, oh, date these men, um, you know, by their race. And I'd be like, what? Like, but you date, you know, you've never even dated a man outside your culture, you know, or even in my family, they would always try to give me advice or tell me this or tell me, you know, date this type of man because those are the men that they wish they had dated for better outcome, I guess, you know. Um, but yeah, um, another thing, um, also navigating and identifying my worth value, goals, purpose, and what I want, and just putting my feelings into words is something that, you know, I've struggled in the past, and now dating is like, okay, now everything that I've learned, I'm putting that in there, and dating phase two is kind of like, um, it's a little bit more fun, I feel like I'm being myself more, and I'm actually, um, seeing the red flags and also 
um going on dates is uh um it's still like a little struggle with me because sometimes I you know I don't want to go put myself out there just because I'm just like is this gonna like what is this gonna happen like you know um like is it gonna happen you know like the past keeps coming but I I try to not focus on that as much and um just you know remember myself um what else just I think just being present is what I'm learning also to be in the present you know having fun with them learning how to ask the questions and not just like those you know basic norm questions like oh what's your favorite color what do you do this it's just like no just keep it very interesting I feel like um you know not getting so deep but just like learning what kind of questions I should ask that's one of the the things that um and remembering them because sometimes I, I I get brain I get brain farts I'm like oh my god I'm too much in my head so um let me see uh one thing I do notice in the dating apps is that um and this is very general but just my experience um it's like a lot of people have one foot in one foot out and that kind of makes it really hard and that that's when the questions come up of like what kind of questions you know do I sh- you know I don't want to challenge but I also want to get into like I don't into I want to get somewhere with this you know I'm dating with a purpose so I feel like um the chemistry and then you know just going back and forth and, and not overthinking things through text or you know because we're behind the phone so sometimes you know I miss, I want that connection, like, and not just only online, but also one thing is like dating, you know, it's, it's hard. I don't think it's easy. I don't even know who, if somebody says it's easy, like, please tell me what's easy because I just feel like there's like ups and downs of it. Um, Especially as a you know clinical going in, into my field I'm a clinical psychologist you know I'm in a, I'm I'm about to be a registered marriage and family therapist and then um that's kind of hard so it's just like you know we have I have I'm learning how to navigate this into I I, I never I'm never assessing somebody but um analyzing them not assessing them sorry analyzing them um, but I get a lot of, like, they have a lot of biases and then I'll just be like, oh no, we're not like that. You know, we want to come from a place where we, like, we turn off our brains, you know? Um, one thing I've learned in the past as well is that, um, in order for me to date as well, it's like, I've learned how to heal myself and, and how to put my needs and wants and, um, be a priority and not let you know like lead as well not always have you know let the guy lead into the conversation but also like my person you know let my personality pop out uh and also I don't I also I'm kind of tired of dating like the local boys you know I'm I'm still in the survival mode of singlehood and um 
it's really hard. I'm not going to sit here and be easy, but I love the challenge, you know, because I feel like I am learning um, to be vulnerable, um, you know, to get out there, my social skills, you know, have a conversation, look somebody in the eye, um, be present in the experience, you know, what are they all about? Like, you know, based on, you know, the planning that takes, like, do they really make an effort? You know, what are my red flags? What are my green flags? Um, also, um, how I'm thriving in singlehood. I feel like I'm doing pretty good. I just, sometimes I have to remind myself that, you know, um, there might be some um, rejection because, you know, I'm, but then again, I have to remind myself, like, I am not for everybody, you know, and not everybody's for me. And I've also rejected some people in the sing, you know, who are single. And, but I still went on the date just because I'm like, damn, I agreed to go on this, you know, like this Thursday, I have a date and I went, he, he bought the tickets already. And I'm over here like, oh, I don't, I'm like, you know what, I'm just gonna look, just gonna go have fun be myself give give me give him the 100 percent me and if there's chemistry if there's not you know like just be honest with yourself but be honest with yourself and be honest with him and you know um and i don't know i'm looking at it options i'm learning how you know, also networking um what else i'm just looking at it like in a way where but I feel like I am in a good example just because I feel like I've I've been through a lot in my life and I just feel like um, I've been breaking a lot of barriers and I just feel like damn like, um, you know, like I really want to get to know somebody um, <clears throat> through um, just spending time with them and then um, not really get involved sexually with them right off the bat you know um just to get to know them for who they are and and see where this goes 